Mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Diagnosed, a husband and wife's story of dealing with a devastating medical diagnosis. By sharing it in their new book, they want to help bring comfort and hope to others going through the same challenges. Also this morning, To Your Health, September is Cholesterol Awareness Month. But despite the fact that millions of Americans are in the high-risk category for heart attack and stroke, many patients are being blocked from accessing the most advanced treatments, we'll explain. And at our Community and Business Spotlight this morning, between the Fall Days of Caring event and the literal kickoff to their annual fundraising campaign, it's a busy week for the United Way of Hancock County. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. Starting with some sports news this morning, the Nick Chubb injury, the big story uh, in sports this morning, but also, if you heard about this, an alleged hazing incident at BGSU, WTOL reporting that Bowling Green State University has suspended three of their hockey players and placed head coach Ty Eigner on administrative leave. The university says that the alleged hazing incident took place at an off-campus event, and after it was reported to the school, uh, local law enforcement was notified, and BGSU launched their own investigation. They did not uh, give any details on what this hazing incident was, where it was, who was involved or who the suspended players are. Um, the only other piece of information that they released was that assistant coach Curtis Carr has been named interim head coach. BGSU, of course, very sensitive to the issue of hazing after Stone Foltz, sophomore, the school died in 2021 after a fraternity initiation event at an off-campus frat house. So, Anytime the word hazing comes up at BG, you know they're going to uh, take that very seriously. And in what may or may not be a related story, Falcons star forward Austin Swankler has entered the transfer portal. He is a junior. He had 44 points, 19 goals, 25 assists in 35 games played last year with Falcons and was just named the CCHA preseason player of the year. So that will be a very large hole to fill for the Falcons hockey squad. BG set to open the season October 7th at Robert Morris. So all of this just a couple of weeks before the, what, two or three weeks before the uh, season begins is not where you want your season to start. So a big story there. A lot of things to talk about here this morning. This is uh, the other uh, big story of the day. Uh, this is an update. The U.S. military has now apparently located that missing fighter jet in South Carolina uh, during a training mishap, is how the military is putting it, a training mishap. The pilot ejected and the aircraft went down. And while the pilot is stable and recovering, officials... Uh, could not locate the F-35. Um, and all of this happened on Sunday, so it was missing for like 24 to 48 hours, something like that. Um, they actually uh, took to, uh, the military took to asking the public for help in locating the downed F-35 fighter, which, of course, is designed to uh, avoid detection. <laughs> And so they couldn't find it. Apparently it worked because the military couldn't find it. Uh, So they were asking the uh, public's health, uh, uh, for the public's help. And uh, now apparently it has been, it has been located, but not before uh, social media just exploded with, with comments about the military's inability to locate this uh, wreckage. Uh, Congresswoman Nancy Mace posted to X, formerly Twitter, how in the blankety-blank do you lose an F-35? How is there not a tracking device? We're asking the public to find the jet and turn it in. Well, apparently there is a tracking device, uh, but it was not functioning. 
So somebody else posted, maybe they should just go get an AirTag, an Apple <laughs> AirTag. You know, the, the things that we use to keep track of our luggage and keep track of our uh, car keys and our phones. And some people put them on their pets. <laughs> we need to attach an Apple AirTag to the F-35s. <laughs> it's like a $500 million jet uh, lost for the want of a $12 air tag. But anyway, they have uh, located the fighter, so all's well that ends well, I suppose, on that. Did you happen to see this story? Speaking of uh, big news items, the mayor of Chicago wants to create a city-run grocery store, not just one of them, several city-run grocery stores, to promote equitable access to food after half Half of the city's Walmart and Whole Foods stores have been closed. Mayor Brandon Johnson announced a partnership with the Economic Security Project to open municipally owned grocery stores in underserved neighborhoods in Chicago in a bid to tackle many of the city's so-called food deserts. According to reports... Mayor Johnson's new moves are set to help repair past harms that have contributed to purposeful disinvestment and exclusion and lack of food access in historically underserved communities. The mayor says all Chicagoans deserve to live near convenient, affordable, healthy grocery options. Now, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, you know, everyone should have access to food. Uh, and he goes on to say, we know access to grocery stores is already a challenge for many residents, especially on the south and west sides. The city did not give a timeline for when the initiative would come forward and the grant money, which will help invest uh, in these city run grocery stores could come. The report goes on to say could come. The financing could come from state and federal tax dollars, not just local taxes. So. Yes, that's right. You and I are going to be paying for city-run grocery stores in the city of Chicago. Again, it's hard to argue with the argument that everyone deserves you know, good, healthy, affordable food. But is this really the, uh, the job of the city? I mean, if Walmart can't make a go of it in some of these neighborhoods... Does the city really think that they can do a better job at a lower price and make a go of it in this? I mean, I don't know. Uh, this is just, again, typical uh, left-wing thinking here. And uh, I, I, I just I can't see how this is going to work. It seems to me that if it is a problem for Walmart, maybe you incentivize Walmart to... Uh, keep those stores open or reopen some of those stores. Um, and the financial cost of of helping a private business survive has to be less than trying to do it all yourself. I mean, anyway, I mean, if that's the track you want to take. But in any event, city-run grocery stores in Chicago. Interesting stuff. Uh, A couple of other items here among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Arizona has the most violent and aggressive drivers in the U.S. According to a new survey from Forbes Advisor, they polled uh, about 200 drivers from every state in the nation across nine key metrics. Topics included... Uh, the, the questions they asked, have you ever been forced off the road? Have you ever been cursed at? Have you ever been involved in a fight outside of your vehicle? Or something that happened on the road. And the survey put Arizona first in the nation for the most violent and aggressive drivers in the U.S. Followed by Rhode Island, West Virginia, Virginia, and Oklahoma. So those are the top five. Then the rest of the top ten, Alabama. Connecticut, Illinois, Texas, and Ohio. Number 10 out of all 50 states in D.C. Ohio in the top 10. Among the drivers surveyed, the top reasons cited for feeling road rage, uh, heavy traffic, already being stressed, running late, already feeling angry, 
and feeling tired. Those are the reasons why uh, those are the contributing factors to road rage. Top contributing factors. Drivers reported experiencing road rage most frequently on city streets, followed by freeways or highways, parking lots, intersections, and rural roads. So, I don't know what that says. By the way, I think Michigan was like 37th. So, Ohio is 10th in the most aggressive and violent drivers. Michigan, all the way down in 37th. I don't know about that. Anyway, make of that what you will. So, we got to calm down. We're behind the wheel, apparently. And uh, I will share this. Again, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories, a new survey of 2,000 moms has found that one-third, at least sometimes, have the feeling that they are a bad mom. One in three moms, at least sometimes, feel like they're a bad mom. Uh, Mothers who are on social media are four times as likely to feel like a bad parent. Uh, They say they feel pressure from social media to add tasks like exercising, cooking, waking up early to their routines. They just feel inadequate. Um, So I saw that on the Newswire, and I, I wanted to share. So let's make that one of our things on our to-do list today. If you know a mom, and we all know a mom, if you know a mom, especially a young mom, first-time mom, go out of your way today to reassure her that she is doing just fine, that she is not a bad mom. Because according to the survey, there's a good chance she really could use that reassurance. Can we all do that today? Can we do that? Let's do that today. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny skies today with a high in the low 70s, partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid 50s. It's homecoming week and the Finley High School homecoming court has been announced. The court includes five boys and five girls and you can see their picture in this story on our website. The homecoming dance will be held Saturday night at the high school. But before then, the homecoming parade will take place beginning at 5.30 p.m. Friday along South Main Street, ending at Donnell Stadium where the King and Queen will be crowned ahead of the football game against Springfield. Get more on homecoming week and this story on our website. Tickets are now on sale for the Hancock Historical Museum's 2023 Historic Homes Tour. It's self-guided, so you purchase your tickets. You can start at any home and proceed in any order at your own leisure. We'll have some docents in each house. Sarah Sisser, Executive Director of the Hancock Historical Museum, says this year's tour promises to be a unique opportunity to see the many details of some of Finley's most beloved old houses. She says historical information will be provided and guests will be permitted to view the impressive interiors of the homes at their leisure. Get more on the Hancock Historical Museum's Historic Homes Tour, which is coming up in October in the store on our website. A Northeast Ohio politician who is set to resign soon is in more hot water. State Rep Bob Young is now facing two new criminal charges. Records show Young was charged with menacing by stalking and violating a protection order. The records show this happened in July. Young put his resignation in just over a week ago after he was arrested twice in less than two months. The Republican from Summit County will step down on October 2nd. Young says he plans to fight the charges. I'm Tracy Townsend. People driving in downtown Finley will notice that construction is progressing on the new Hancock County Judicial Center building on West Main Cross. The new building will be located at 209 West Main Cross on what was previously a parking lot between Corey Street and the post office. The new three-story, 47,000-square-foot building will be home to probate and juvenile court, which are currently located in a building just east of that location. The new Judicial Center is anticipated to be finished in the fall of 2024 at a cost of a little under $21 million. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. 
Boy, I tell you what a powerful book this is. Diagnosed is a collection of more than two dozen inspirational stories of life after a serious medical diagnosis. Authors Mark and Mary Kay Liston are with us this morning, and thank you both for taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. This actually started with your own life-altering medical diagnosis, right, Mark? Yeah, it did. Last November 3rd, I was at the ER, and the doctor came out after several hours, and he said, Mark, I hate to tell you this, you have lung cancer. Wow. Well, that was a Yeah. (laughs) So that's where all started so yeah um so all of a sudden you're on this journey that you could have never expected at what point did you decide to write the book and what was the impetus for writing the book sharing your story when did the light go on and to not only write it but write it the way you did well mark started journaling he's always been a writer and uh he started journaling the first morning before I even got up, just to capture his thoughts and and what he was feeling and plans that were in front of us with doctor's appointments and uh, new medications, it was crazy. So he started he started this journaling, and then at one point, well, I didn't even tell Mary Kay at first yeah. because at first I thought this is just for me. I can mm-hmm. look back and see what doctor appointments there were. All the new medication, Chris is like, holy cow, what am I taking now? Take that. Uh, think about what the doctors were saying. Fortunately, I took Mary Kay with me on every appointment so she could write down what I couldn't remember by the time I got to the car. Yeah. And three weeks later, I had a biopsy. A few weeks after that, we got the results, and it said, you do not have cancer. Wow. Two weeks later, was, and that was the best Christmas I think we ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I started. we started writing. And at some point before then, we thought this might be a nice book. It might be a nice book to share with other people of what it's like when all of a sudden you get a diagnosis that uh, for an alarming medical diagnosis, or it could be cancer, and it comes out of the blue. What do you what do you go through? But then, but then, January 11th happened. January 11th, I woke up and I had a message. I had a vision. I, I had something in the middle of the night, Chris. And it said, Mark, this book cannot be about you. You can be in it, but it can't be about you. Well, I did the smartest thing ever. I put an ad or I put a note on Facebook. On Facebook, I wrote that morning, hey, I'm writing a book on cancer or other alarming medical diagnoses. If you are a caregiver, if you are a survivor, if you know somebody Mm -hmm. who should be in this book, hey, just let me know. I thought we might get two or three. Mary Kay and I talked about it. She said, yeah, what the heck? You might get a couple. By midnight that night, we had over 20 stories wow. of people saying, I should be in the book. My friend should be in the book. Mm-hmm. I'm a caregiver. Never expected that. So with that, this whole book started. That was the, the, uh, that was the beginning of yeah. the book. Six months later, we had a book. So are they all cancer diagnoses, all these uh, stories, or are they a variety of uh, different uh, diagnoses? There's 15 cancer stories. Okay. There's also a story on ALS, a story about a paraplegic due to a, an accident, hmm. a story about a kidney transplant, a story about an abscess to the brain, uh, all different types of stories. And with all the 15 cancer stories, that's all over the board too, Chris. A four-year-old kid who had stage four sarcoma. Wow. And he's now 19. He's now 19. A 15-year-old high school kid who had lymphoma. He's now 21. An 85-year-old lady who got gum cancer when she was 84. Hmm. She's still alive. Yeah. Now, well, the, the stories the about the kids, Chris, it's, it's more a journey of their parents. And what their parents did and, and how they managed through this. Mm-hmm. So it's from a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. And, and all of the stories, uh, your own and those of others, each have something special, some unique insight 
that they offer. Was it a surprise on some level to hear all of the different perspectives, all of the different takes on uh, being confronted with these life-altering diagnoses, be it cancer or whatever it might happen to be? It was shocking. As I listened to the stories, as I wrote the stories then, I tell Mary Kay, where do you read this one? Yeah. I had no idea what was about to come, whether it be how they survived, whether it be uh, chemo, whether it be, uh, we have three stories in there, of stem cell replacement, whether it be alternative medicine, whether it be a radiation. So yeah, there was different things. The cool thing is there was messages in each one though. Yeah. On how to handle, how to help, what they're going to go through. Do they all have happy endings? Some of the endings are challenging. One of the stem cell replacement stories does not have the ending in the book because, in fact, she just completed her treatment and Hmm. she's doing great. That's happy. We know that that one ends happily. There are two stories in the book about people who did not survive. One was my brother with ALS and another was Mark's dear friend who died of pancreatic cancer. But our stories in the book about them are more how did they handle life after they received a diagnosis that was almost surely, you know, going, not going to end well for them? Yeah. Um, those are inspirational. This, this strikes me as maybe asking, asking you to pick a favorite child, but uh, w- was there one other than your own that particularly touched you or resonated with you? I, I think the one that we had, on the stem cell replacement got me his uh he had to find a stem cell he's out in california mm-hmm. his city of hope and if they did not find a stem cell donor he was going to die in the next two weeks so he sat there with his wife in a, a, a you know a bubble room where anybody who came in including the nurses were in hazmat suits mm. and waited and wait and waited and he finally got the message from the doctors that we found somebody, we found somebody that has the exact match that you need. And there, there are 10 wow. different characteristics for a, a perfect match. However, the guy lived in Germany. So hmm. he talks about how they had to fly his stem cells from Germany to New York city, then from New York city to LA to put into his body. And then after you do that, it takes a hundred days to see if they're going to match. Wow. So that one, I, I kept reading and reading more and more and more and listening to him. That one was a phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it ends nice. It ends real nicely though. Yeah. Tell him about that. Oh, he was a jock. He was a, he, in fact, he, he uh, made it to major league baseball hmm. and sent him to a fundraiser in Nashville with all the country stars. And uh, he went up on the infield and gave his whole speech or his whole story. And all of a sudden, they said, we'd like to introduce you to somebody. And that was the guy wow. who donated wow. from Germany. That's incredible. So that was- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm tearing up. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it strikes me that this can be inspirational on some level for people who are facing all kinds of challenges in life, not just a medical uh, situation. I, I don't know. You know, did, did you did you write it with that kind of uh, of mindset as well? That this obviously it's geared toward those who are facing life altering medical diagnoses, as we've said. But really, uh, there are stories of inspiration that can uh, really resonate with people who are facing all kinds of challenges. That wasn't the goal. That wasn't the goal initially. It was just to listen to their story. But as we listened to their story, we got messages out of each person yeah. that we could that could help it in any situation so that was that was a very cool thing about that is learning a lot more when you really didn't plan on learning much you just wanted the story wanted to capture their stories yes but they some of our big takeaways um the the first one is that attitude is so important that you keep a positive attitude maintain a positive attitude understand that a medical diagnosis today that might sound really alarming uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago now. It's still scary when you hear someone say you've got the big C, but it's not a life sentence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, medical um, 
the medical world has changed. There's yeah. a lot more. Dip, there's more. Dip, there's not more. Dip, there's a lot more. Dip, <laughs> a lot of other medicines that just have yeah. didn't have ten right. years. Ago. Yeah. And nor is it a punishment. You know, some people think when something bad happens to me, I lost my job, I got in a car wreck, I uh, I'm sick. That's because I must have done something wrong, and God's punishing me. No, not at all. I think another one that I just learned recently after the book, when I was talking to somebody who was involved with the book, she said she had breast cancer, and she absolutely hated it when someone said, I know what you're going through. Yeah. Finally, she said to a lady one day, when did you have breast cancer? She said, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. And the other thing that she was, she didn't like to hear people say, you're going to be fine. Don't worry. You're just going to be fine. She said, I didn't know if I was going to be fine. How would they know if I was going to be fine? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple things that we can relate to regardless of what we're dealing with. You know, let's say that your best friend loses a job. You see, I, I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. You didn't work there. <laughs> you don't right. know what I'm looking for going through now. You don't know what my mortgage is. So those were different messages, too. Yeah. Again, uh, Mark and Mary Kay Liston are co-authors of the book Diagnosed, a collection of more than two dozen inspirational stories of life after serious medical diagnosis. And do you have a website in conjunction with the book we can guide folks to? We do. Diagnosedbook.com. Really is a, a must read. Just a, an incredibly powerful book. And guys, thanks very much for uh, taking the uh, time this morning and certainly continued success. Thank you so much. Chris, Chris, thank you so much. We sure appreciate you. Well, to your health this morning, September uh, is Cholesterol Awareness Month. And while there are a lot of different treatment options for those who are living with high LDL, which is the bad cholesterol. Some are easier to access than others. And joining us this morning to talk about all of this is preventive cardiologist Dr. Seth Baum. Dr. Baum, first of all, again, just kind of the basics here. There are two different types of cholesterol, and the LDL is the the bad type, the one that we want to avoid, which can increase a person's risk for heart attack or stroke, correct? Well, it's actually a tiny bit more complex than that. Cholesterol really is just cholesterol. Um, we dub the good cholesterol and the bad cholesterol different names because HDL cholesterol, a carrier of cholesterol called HDL, is actually not bad, while LDL, a carrier of cholesterol, is very bad. Okay. And in the con, yeah, so that it's really it's important to know that. But in the context of the fact that um, heart disease remains the number one killer in the United States, uh, and LDL is a major driver of heart disease, of plaque, of blocked arteries that causes stroke and heart attack and cardiovascular death, we have to really focus our attention on LDL and understand an urgency to reduce LDL to uh, safe levels, if you will. Um, so that's a really important point. Uh, it's also important to know your LDL so you know how low you have to get it. It's important to understand that there are drugs available to do a great job but sadly, we have a problem with insurance companies blocking access quite frequently to some of the more advanced medicines for cholesterol lowering. Why? What is the, it, 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 given how serious this is and how many individuals this uh, can impact, why in the world would there be barriers put up to available treatments? Well, I'd have to say it's economic. So, so the more the insurance companies approve, the more they have to pay for the medicines that your doctor prescribes. It's, I, I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we've demonstrated that uh, for PCSK9 inhibitors, which, again, a great therapeutic advance from 2015 in cholesterol lowering, with that drug class, 90% of the prescriptions we write are denied by the insurance companies. And the Family Heart Foundation published a very important paper in a, uh, a very prestigious journal that demonstrated that, number one, these, these barriers do exist, and uh, patients were inappropriately being blocked from access to medications. And number two, the consequences are real. Patients had a greater incidence of stroke and heart attack that were unnecessary. Um, and, and this can occur within 
believe it or not, a matter of months. So there's a time urgency to getting on these medications. So let me uh, play the other side here, because I'm sure that the uh, insurance companies will say with the plethora of treatments that are available, there are plenty of other lower cost alternatives. Why is that not an option for these patients? So, so each drug has a different impact uh, on, on cholesterol. The, the drug example I just gave, the PCSK9 inhibitors, are the most effective cholesterol-reducing drugs, dropping cholesterol 60% on top of statins. And we always try to use the statins first. So they may say that, but that's what that's not what the case is. The case is we're using these drugs in appropriate patients, patients who are already oftentimes on those less expensive drugs and need more LDL reduction. I can tell you that there's a very tight relationship between cholesterol lowering and, and reducing risk of stroke and heart attack and cardiovascular death. So for every 40 points or 40 milligrams you lower your LDL, you reduce risk by 20%. So there's a real reason we want to get LDL down very low. So what would you advise then for patients who may be in this circumstance facing a recommendation uh, from their doctor? They have this prescription, but the insurance company is saying no. What alternatives are there or what options are there? Yeah. So what I would recommend is don't ever give up. Uh, Keep trying understand that the patient has the loudest voice and you need to use it. Um, uh, form a bond with your physician who can help access the drug by writing letters. Uh, call the insurance company and push back. Call your insurance commissioner, a state commissioner if necessary. That could be helpful. And then use resources like ldlsafezone.org, which is part of the Family Heart Foundation and is a wonderful resource to help you advocate for yourself and, and get the medications that you, you need. Uh, it is such an important uh, issue, especially given how prevalent this is. We know how many Americans are, are living with high uh, cholesterol numbers. And again, given that September uh, is Cholesterol Awareness Month, again, the broader message is if you don't know, get to the doctor and find out because this is, uh, as you mentioned, the numbers are dramatic as to uh, how uh, how much of an influence this is for things like heart disease and stroke. Yes, I I, uh, I think that's a wonderful message. You need to know your LDL. You need to know the importance of your LDL. And you need to urgently reduce your LDL uh, and fight to have that done if necessary to reduce the risk of stroke, heart attack, and death. Again, preventive cardiologist Dr. Seth Baum with us this morning on behalf of the Family Heart Foundation. To your health this morning, you mentioned the website where folks can get more information. Let's mention that again. The website uh, is ldlsafezone.org. ldlsafezone.org. Dr. Baum, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Number of animal stories in the broken news this morning, uh, including a story about a family of bears with a sweet tooth uh, breaking... Breaking into a Krispy Kreme truck after a delivery driver left the vehicle open. This happened in Anchorage, Alaska, as the driver was dropping off donuts to a military base there. (laughs) When a mama and her cubs climbed in and helped themselves. Truck was open. And so, here we go, kids. Um, (laughs) Candace Sargent. The uh, driver, of the Krispy Kreme truck said, "I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was really astonished. There's no way that bears are in the back of my van." And then she says, "My next thought was, <laughs> how do I, how do I solve this problem? Um, security uh, on the uh, on the base was able to blast sirens to scare the bears away." In total, the heist resulted in around 20 packs of donut holes and 18 chocolate donuts being eaten. 
they went right for the for the chocolate donuts there. Apparently, they're big favorites among the bears. You know, this is the time of the year when uh, the bears you know looking to uh, fatten up ahead of uh, hibernation. So, uh, anywhere there are bears around, you got to really, uh, really be careful. Um, in Kentucky, another animal story. Kentucky, a small stray pig created quite a stir. Uh, police are now on the hunt for the uh, owner. The Corbin Police Department, Corbin, Kentucky stumbled upon this unexpected pedestrian during a routine patrol on, are you ready for this, Bacon Creek Road. That's right. They found a stray pig on Bacon Creek Road during a routine patrol, humorously sharing a snapshot of the pig lounging in the backseat of a patrol cruiser. They rounded up the pig. Pig located on, wait for it, Bacon Creek Road, according to the post on Facebook. Corbin police officers have wrangled a small pig. Um, no, we're not talking about Patrolman Chris Brown of any, any of, or any of our other fine second shift patrol officers. <laughs> a legit pig in this case. Seriously, if you own this pig, he is in custody at the Corbin Police Department. Please hurry. Before the fire department gets hungry. <laughs> no word on whether the pig's uh, owner has been located. <laughs> Bacon Creek Road. Uh, here's another bear story. Uh, Walt Disney World theme park is back to its regular operations after a bear was spotted inside the park. And uh, had to be uh, captured and relocated. Florida wildlife officials trapped the bear in a backstage area near the Magic Kingdom's Frontierland on Monday. Disney temporarily closed down a portion of the park when the bear was first spotted by employees doing a routine check before the uh, park opened. How would you like to be that employee that spotted the bear in the tree? I mean, I'm guessing that the employees don't go around in groups to do the uh, pre-opening check. And so I'm guessing that the uh, park worker was by himself just kind of inspecting, making sure everything is copacetic, and suddenly they find a bear in the tree. (laughs) There, Uh, Experts believe the animal was most likely looking for food because they are normally trying to pack on extra fat before the start of winter, so... Uh, the uh, Florida Wildlife Commission said the bear was relocated to a nearby national forest. Um, it was not just the safety of, you know, park visitors that Disney was concerned with. Uh, they were actually more concerned that he had gotten in without paying. (laughs) Nobody visits a Disney theme park without paying, by golly. Not even the bears. (laughs) Uh, let's see. Speaking of uh, Disney, this is kind of interesting. Not an air, uh, an animal story, but a Disney story. A Texas woman is celebrating her completion of a Disney-themed jigsaw puzzle after more than three years. Now, I know dis- uh, jigsaw puzzles can take a long time to uh, finish, but three years. Emily Seidel, a 29-year-old jigsaw puzzle enthusiast, started assembling the 40,000-piece puzzle in February of 2020, just before the pandemic came to town. And you would think that, you know, the pandemic would have given her plenty of time. I know a lot of folks, uh, that was one of the things. Jigsaw puzzles became very popular during the pandemic. But still, even with the pandemic, it uh, still took her uh, three years to complete. 40,000-piece puzzle Features characters from Disney classics such as Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Little Mermaid, and Bambi. She has finally finished it after three years. I don't know. I just thought that was... uh, Wow. (laughs) Uh, And this story comes from the International File this morning. The broken news. A conceptual artist in Denmark has been directed by a court to reimburse funds he received after submitting empty picture frames 
as his commissioned artwork. (laughs) They hired him to create these works of art, and he submitted empty frames. Jans Hanning is known for his exploration of power and inequity in his work, was tasked with recreating two previous works that symbolized average incomes using banknotes for the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art in Denmark. Uh, This is according to a report in The Guardian. The museum extended a loan of about $76,000, the equivalent of $76,000 for the project, and paid the artist's fee of about $3,700. However, upon receiving the completed works, Museum staff were surprised to find two empty picture frames. <laughs> the work of art was titled, are you ready for this? The work of art was titled, Take the Money and Run. <laughs> I love it. It's an artist with a sense of humor right there. The museum was not amused. Um, they demanded the borrowed funds because originally the works of art were supposed to include banknotes. So they extended the loan so he could get the banknotes. <laughs> the museum uh, demanded the return of the borrowed funds. And when Mr. Hunning refused, the museum pursued legal action. In a recent ruling, a court in Copenhagen decreed that uh, Mr. Hunning must repay the loan. However, they ordered that he would still receive his artist's fee. (laughs) They still have to pay him his artist's fee because he did submit a work. (laughs) Take the money and run. By the way, the museum did put the empty frames on display. They did. They, They actually put the work on display. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report, an update of the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Alcohol is the most commonly used drug among youth. Although it is legal for adults to consume, we know the potential harm alcohol can cause if not used appropriately. And as an illegal substance for youth, We must remember that alcohol use among teens is not a rite of passage. Be sure to talk to your children about alcohol use. You can have the greatest influence on their decisions not to use alcohol. This message is brought to you by the Hancock County Community Partnership. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We're coming off of a Monday, so this is very timely. Have you ever had one of those days... Where you just want to throw up your hands and say, I need a nap. (laughs) Here's just one of those days. In a new survey of 2,000 adults, 26% of people say that they need a daytime nap at some point during the work week. And that was not necessarily a surprise to me. But check this. The peak nap time, the peak nap time is around 9.39 a.m., And 65% of those in the poll say that the urge to nap strikes before noon. (laughs) We're not even making it until noon uh, when we have those days where we just need a nap. We're not even making it to noon. 46% of those in the poll uh, say that it's not just work. Uh, Sometimes maybe after a, a hard day's work, we need to take a nap before socializing. You know, before seeing other people on a social basis, we need to take a nap. Although, uh, some admit that they have slept too long. Americans have missed out on sports games, birthday parties, even job interviews (laughs) due to napping, according to the survey. But if you ever feel that way, where you just need a nap, don't feel bad. Uh, According to uh, Jacqueline Alberts, who is an expert with uh, Nature's Bounty, the vitamin and supplement company, says short daytime naps can bring benefits uh, for people with night schedules, for new parents, for those who are sick, of course, and for those who just need to relax. So don't feel bad. If you need a short daytime nap, it's okay. 
Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Speaking with Angela Dabosky, CEO of the United Way of Hancock County, uh, about a couple of things. Big week for you. Uh, first of all, it's Days of the Fall, Days of Caring going on this week. So many exciting things happening within our organization. So yeah, we'll have hundreds of people out doing projects, not just with our partner agencies and local nonprofits, right. but also there are a few individuals that we're working with, um, Backyard Mission. And so in the spring, it was really cool. There was a a gal that was over 100 years old, and she just needed a little bit of help with her yard work. Mm -hmm. And she would go out. She went out when the team came out to to say, I'm so sorry, I can't handle it myself. But there was just a great connection in service with a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so that that team came back with a, a great experience, a great story, and knowing that they impacted somebody, not just their yard, but their heart as well. And uh, so the fall days of caring continue all this week, or it'll be the first a, couple of days of this okay, week, right. and then so, um, then we'll move on to pickleball. Of, uh, that's right. That's the other thing um, we mentioned. A big week. It is also the kickoff of this year's fundraising campaign. We had the first kickoff event, quite literally a kickoff event, kickoff uh, kickball uh, event last week. You've got a pickleball tournament coming up this week. There's nothing like watching grown adults play kickball to just uh, build a little bit of enthusiasm and fun within the community. So yeah, so this week is a pickleball tournament. There are still spaces available if you are pickleball people. I guess it's called a pickler. So if you're a pickler I did and would that. like to come and play pickleball with us, come join us. Okay. It's, a, it's a, a great cause, way to get connected within the community too. And of course, uh, it is all part of the campaign kickoff. Uh, give us sort of the uh, lowdown on this year's fundraising campaign. Uh, this year's fundraising campaign, we have a goal of $2 million. Okay. I'm so proud to be able to say that everything raised here stays here and goes to work in Hancock County. Not everybody gets to say that. So uh, we're doing great work to keep people safe, to take care of vulnerable children. It's about housing. It's about food security. It's that umbrella services across our community for, mm-hmm. for folks that just need a little extra help. One of the things that we've talked about in the past is just how many people within the community are touched by the programs that the United Way supports. Absolutely. We have about one in four residents in Hancock County are touched by United Way resources in one way or another. That's a lot of people. So right. to be part of uh, this fundraising campaign gives us capacity to really make sure our community is well taken care of. So kind of give us uh, the uh, scoop on on the the dates or, or the timeline uh, on this. The uh, the campaign usually begins with pace setters and then goes into all of the uh, area businesses and workplaces and so on. When is all of that going to be happening? Uh, it's happening right now. So okay. packets just went out to companies. So you should be seeing, depending on when your company runs it, you should be seeing in the next um, four to eight weeks a campaign within your company. Read over the resources. Think about people that you may know, your neighbors, family, friends that maybe um, have been touched by some of those resources. We also have some things going out in the mail. I think it started last week. Okay. So things should wrap up the campaign uh, by mid-November, and then we will have how we allocate those funds within the community Mm -hmm. should be out in the beginning of January. Okay. And a couple of uh, things on that. Number one, there are any number of ways to give. A lot of folks will do that. Uh, through their employer, you know, with a deduction from their paycheck. That's not the only way that, that you can give. I mean, that's, I think, maybe the most popular or the most common, but by far the only, not the only one. My job is to make it as easy as possible for yeah. people to get involved. So we have, you can go to our website. You can, uh, we have special uh, codes throughout the community during campaigns. So you may see a table tent when you go in to grab a coffee somewhere to say, here, Venmo me. Here, mm-hmm. you can get involved this way. Here's how you volunteer. Here's how you become an advocate for a yeah. cause you're passionate for. Yeah. So if you don't want to do the uh, paycheck with uh, withdrawal or deduction, uh, that's not the only way you can a lot of different ways that you can give and also yeah. uh, with respect to that allocation I know you're looking for people who can help uh, with the allocation process because right. that's a whole 
other process that uh, is kind of like part two of the campaign. It is. And so we're raising money as the same time that we're trying to figure out how to disperse it in the community. Um, Some people don't know that I actually don't get to say where the money goes. Mm -hmm. We have almost 60 trained volunteers that will review um, our program, each of our applications for quality program, financial stability, um, administrative overhead, how they deliver programs how it meets community priorities. So we'll train individuals. It's one of those really easy volunteer opportunities. You can uh, review the grants from your own home and then you just come in and have a conversation as part of your team. Each person will have about six to eight grants to review uh, against a rubric. So we really try to make it um, user-friendly as well as gathering as many community member thoughts and input as possible. It's all part of the process of making sure that the funds that are given to the United Way uh, are put to their best use. Right. We want them to meet the community priorities as our citizenry sees it. Now, if folks want to learn more about the campaign uh, and everything else that's going on, uh, that's all at your website, right? It is, or you can just come have a coffee with me. So, But you can go to our website at uwhancock.org to learn more or go there, give me a call, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Angela Dabosky, CEO of the United Way of Hancock County with us this morning. Angela, thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. Uh, The United Way of Hancock County, not the only ones kicking off their uh, campaign. The United Way of Fostoria is kicking off their campaign next Thursday, I am told, with a movie-themed party um, right there on Main Street. It says uh, from 4 to 6.30 p.m., Main Street going to be transformed with uh, games, entertainment, food trucks, photo ops, family-friendly activities for all ages. The 16 United Way agency partners will be hosting uh, an activity, each be hosting an activity based on a famous movie. For example, uh, the Financial Assistance for Cancer, Fact, is using a Caddyshack theme, First Step Center for Domestic Violence Services, Uh, are using a Mighty Ducks theme, the Fosteria Learning Center, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Fosteria Area Habitat for Humanity, uh, doing the Legos movie, and so on and so forth. Uh, It is a film frenzy, and it is uh, next Thursday, September the 28th, from 4 to 6.30 p.m., Main Street, downtown Fosteria, with uh, all kinds of fun, food trucks uh, as well. There'll be a live DJ, treats, games, and more. Uh, to uh, kick off the uh, campaign for the United Way of Faustoria as well. So they uh, sent us all of that information. Sounds like that's going to be an awful lot of fun, too. You can get more details at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the mayor wants to take a different approach to the budget process for the coming year. And the mayor, Christina Mern, will join us to explain her idea. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.